Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Listeners to another episode of The Expanse, Hollow Sweet Media's dedicated Star Trek Enterprise podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Hill, and Kyle is actually away this week, so I've brought Brandy back on to do a writer's room. Hey, Brandy. Hello. So, how, how was your day today so far? <laughs> you don't want to know the real answer to that, so we'll just <laughs> say it was fine. All right. Don't forget to give us a like, subscribe, and a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NX01Podcast. You can also email the show at NX01Podcast at gmail.com, something we haven't really talked about, but you can get us there, too. So, our first Writer's Room episode, we actually wrote sort of a, a mid-season mm-hmm. episode. I figured on this one, we'd go ahead and tackle the season five premiere. Ooh, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And what we're going to do first, before we even get into the Season 5 premiere, we're going to correct a few things in the Season 4 finale. Yes, we sure are, including what is the Season 4 finale? (laughs) The Season 4 finale is the two-parter Demons and Terra Prime. Mm -hmm. And in the aired versions, uh, this is where baby Elizabeth is created, and then due to flaws in the cloning process that terra prime movement used to create her was unable to survive the end of the two-parter so what we're going to do is rewrite the entire ending Mm -hmm. so i figure what we'll do is we'll also uh introduce the trill canonically first Mm -hmm. here we'll have a delegation from trill that includes leela dax and then they will conveniently have a doctor that specializes in genetic restoration and fixing Mm mm-hmm so Flox kind of is, is you, you'd say, would be able to, to recognize a fellow doctor. Absolutely. So they kind of they see each other there, there at the, the conference of the delegates to start the Coalition of Planets. This is after they've discovered, you know, about baby Elizabeth. And, and Fox is like, I need some help with this. And the Trill Doctor, we need to come up with a good name for that Trill Doctor. Okay. And the question would be, are they going to be the Spotted Trill or... The stubborn northerners. Mm. Or are they going to be southerners here on Trill? <laughs> well, first of all, are they joined or unjoined? Let's make this this doctor unjoined. Cool. That makes it far less complicated. So... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so is this doctor male or female? Let's go female. Okay. So now we just need a female name. They have such interesting names. Yes, they do. They use a lot of Zs. Because think about it, Curzon, Jadzia, Ezri. Well, we don't have to use these. No, because we had Tobin. Yes. Tarias. Yes. Lenara. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, I'm terrible at names. What about Mora? I like it. Okay, we'll name her Mora. Spell it however you like. Make it complicated if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go M-O-O-R-A. Okay, cool. So, Dr. Mora is going to be the one helping Fox out with, with stabilizing baby Elizabeth's genome. Mm-hmm. And they've talked about this, and Fox has already shared the information with Mora. She takes it back to their ship to kind of work the same problem with two different sets of, of eyes on it and everything. We still have everything play out up to the scene where Fox and Archer are talking about baby Elizabeth and, and the whole birth of the Coalition of Planets. But before that conversation takes place, we have a scene where... Mora tells Fox that that she's discovered how to fix it and and will fix it. But she also understands the necessity of bringing everybody together around this baby. Mm -hmm. So she she kind of stresses that and and Fox kind of picks up on the the hints about it. And so the the scene that we see plays out the exact same way. So that way Archer still has the, the passion behind his speech to get everybody rallied together. Right. And then there, instead of 
with the closing scene, we have Trip saying, you know, the delegates would like to to join in the memorial service for Elizabeth. Trip comes in and tells to Paul the happy news that baby Elizabeth has survived and they will be raising their daughter together. Woohoo! So that gives us a nice, bright, hopeful conclusion to season four. Yes, and had this actually happened, I would have been crying so hard, you guys. And it, and it would have been the good kind, too. Yes, the good kind. I cry for all reasons. <laughs> so it would have been would have been a very weakness. So perfect. So that would have been me. Now for the opening scene of season five, do we want to have the delegates kind of talking about how the, the Coalition of Planets charter is gonna be written? Start there in there in the conference room? Yeah. I almost have the urge to start writing this as a script <laughs> interior conference room. yes yes <laughs> which actually i was kind of looking on microsoft word and they have a little template for writing scripts of course they do we are in the conference room they're they're talking about how to form the charter what do you think one of the big hang-ups would be between all the all the members here take your pick <laughs> Trying to get, let's see, trying to get... Tellarites and Andorians. Tellarites and Andorians Vulcans, and Vulcans and humans. Yeah. And, and Trill. Well, I think Denobulans would just kind of be like, yeah, what ifs? Yeah. They seem like way more laid back than everyone else combined. It seems like they, they, they've had a little bit of, of medicinal use before any yeah. conference. They've got that good CBD. Yes, yes. <laughs> So I would I would think the Denobulans would just be more than anything just watching the interactions and very excited at everything going on and they get to witness all of this all all this history right right in front of them yep so I'm guessing it would probably first be a matter of sovereignty okay. you know maintaining what they are able to do on their own planets. And what is going to be not something that they get to do anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, the Andorians being super suspicious and spying on everybody like Romulans. And and, and, and the Vulcans, you know, hiding listening posts in monasteries. And... That too. That too. They have a bit to answer for. Yes. But things are actually on a better yes. path for Vulcans now because of the Cyrenites. Yes, the Kirshar has been found. And they are now following Sirach's teachings from his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That old guy got to carry the cotter. I'm like, really? Why would you put it in an old guy? So that way he could pass it on to the next old guy. <laughs> well, yeah, but why an old guy? Why not an old gal? I'm still working on getting getting to the, to the matriarchy. Yeah. Which I think we should write in at some point to Pow actually winds up taking over Sirox Katra. Ooh, that would be cool. So, well, well, because she she wasn't able to do the transfer herself, right? And so, yeah. So, but somebody could do it to her. Yes. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that actually. So yeah, we'll 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 we'll, we'll tuck that away for for a future episode. Yep, definitely write that one down. So yeah, I would think it would be well. You know, are you going to come and get involved in all of our affairs and this sort of stuff? And is the Enterprise going to be there every time? You humans think we mess up, or you pink skins, mm -hmm. whoever's saying it. Yes. And, and the Vulcans still still having a, 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 a twinge of superiority just because Vulcans. Yeah, well, not only that, but they're probably, though that they would never admit this openly, they're probably a little pissed off that they couldn't do this, that it's the humans yeah. that are bringing this together. Probably just a little bit pissed. Yeah, so I would say probably... And I think this is where the trill kind of come in to kind of smooth out the the at the edges, mm -hmm. to to kind of bring them in more more unified. Because the Nobilans, they'll be like, you know, this is fun watching, but I don't really know how we we can fix all this. Well, they're pretty good at diplomacy mm -hmm. because of their family units being the way they are. Yeah, you have to be able to get along with a lot of people. Yeah, that minimum. Everybody has. Three husbands and three wives. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking they they probably are not as good at actual other people fighting so much as themselves. Yeah. And the Denoblians will I think they'll they'll just kinda of follow whichever make makes more sense, you know, for, for their purposes, you know, just like any other culture, but Yeah. 
I think I think it would take the trill to to bring him, bring them all together and and have them get get yeah. get better agreements. Put it that way. Well, it's it's like uh, Shran said, and I don't remember the exact quote, but basically, you know, everybody gets something and no one's happy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how you that's how you make things like this work. Yes, yes. Now, for for disputed border areas, do we want to save that for for later on in the episode? Well, yeah, because there. Let's only tackle one stepping stone okay. at a time, because you know, once they finally hammer that out, then it's going to be on to the okay. Well, what about this sort of thing? What about this system? What about this planetoid? Yeah, we're having a dispute with the Klingons over this one, <laughs> etc. Now, I would say that Leela Dax would not be that the head diplomat in this, but she would be part of the attaché. Okay. So for the the head trill diplomat, I say join trill male. That's very sexist. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit sexist. Well, we'll say it's more it's more the the the, the trill symbiont that's that's the the driving force, and not so much that he's a guy. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Very pushy. Yes. <laughs> pushy trill <laughs> symbiont. Hmm. Okay, what is this guy's name? I'd say the symbiont's name would be. Hmm, it's pronounced. It's pronounced urge, but we'd have to come up with a with a fun spelling for that. Urge. E R G H E. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I can make weird words too. Let's see here, and for a first name, uh, let's. Go Prion. Prion. P R I I N. Or no, Y I N. P R Y I N. Yeah. Okay, that's illegible. <laughs> Let's rewrite that. There we go. All right. I'm scribing this all, you see. And I thank you for it. <laughs> yeah, you're going to thank me when we get to the recap. Yay. So, and, and we will remember to record it this time. <laughs> yes, we will. So, yes. Uh, Prion comes in, or well, I said I should say more. Urge comes in, and he's like, "Look, you know, you guys within your own systems and and whatever territories you have, you'll have autonomy within that. But we do we we should all set like a set of guidelines for our collective whole. Kind of, I'd say, sort of more like the uh, Articles of Confederation before we actually had our Constitution." Uh, yes. So have it have a system similar or system set up similar to that because being you know a, a diplomat I'm sure they've studied all forms of of starting coalitions like this right and and they decided to go with the Articles of Confederation for the time being knowing that in the future we, they would have to adjust it and make a new one well yeah or amendments yeah so yeah that's that's the thing is that a document like that is not a, in a solid state no. it's a living thing mm -hmm. because you can't judge the future by the present right which there are a few things in our constitution that should be changed right now but yeah that's yeah that's not the debate for this show nope nope it's not it's not we're not going to get into it because we have enough of that in real life and we're having fun right now. Yes, we are. Damn so, it. <laughs> we're, we're having fun here. No politics. No stuff in the real world. Yes, yes, we have fake world politics going. On. Yes. Well, that's much more fun because we are in control of their destiny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yes. All right, cool. So we, they got to hammer that out. That's going to be fun. Yeah. So I say after that, we'll go ahead and, and do our revamped season five intro, which is the seasons one and two intro. <laughs> right. But with the amendment in the opening credits, Jeffrey Combs. <gasps> I love that. I'm a huge Shran yeah. girl. I'm just a huge Jeffrey Combs girl, really. Yeah. I'll watch anything with him in it. So. Especially when he's being, you know, even even when he's being a demented Keebler elf, those are always fun. Mm -hmm. When he's a Ferengi, or <laughs> either time, mm -hmm. or he's reanimating dead cats. Yeah. Oh wait, that's Reanimator. Oh, yeah, that... Wrong series. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking just of all of his roles, so 
Because I, I have watched some, some bad movies just for him. Oh, hey. He's never bad. Yeah, I can kind of tell that. Even with some of the, the, the weaker scripts he might have been given in Star Trek, he, he did, did pretty mm-hmm. well. Like the one where he plays the character that wants Kira as a hologram. So gross. Yeah. So gross. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, there, it's interesting because when that character happened, I'm just looking at him and going, I know this guy. How do I know this guy? And then I found out later it was Jeffrey Combs. So I'm like, ah. Oh. But when he showed up as Brunt, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was Jeffrey in there. And of course, Wei Yun, how could you not no. know that that was Jeffrey Combs? So. Yeah. And, and to, to kind of tangent off of this a little bit with, you know, actors that are that are really great in definitely in particular roles. How great is Peter Willer as a bad guy? Oh, my God. He was terrifying. I just, Wow. He he blew me away. Yeah. He was just so... I actually ju- <sighs> just watched Demons and Terror Prime to kind of get myself set up for doing our, our show tonight. And it's like, damn, I, I hate him. <laughs> yeah. He's so great. And he's, and he's so even great. he's even great as Admiral Marcus in Into Darkness. Yeah. Yeah. He is. I mean... As much as I can like You can fault you can fault other things in that movie, but you can't <laughs> fault Peter Weller as a bad guy. <laughs> I never fault Peter Weller. I never ever fault Peter Weller for anything because I have never had a time where I'm just like, nah, this isn't working for me. <laughs> He's just one of those guys. I, I remembered he was in, in Longmire. I saw him on screen, I was like, I know that face. I know that face. And so then I looked him up and it was Peter Weller. So even before Mary Wise joined Discovery, she she was just one degree away from Star Trek. And she went to Juilliard with Mary Chifo, so... Mary Chifo was two two degrees away. Yep. It's crazy how all of yes. these things end up connecting. Crazy and wonderful. If you enjoy listening to The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, every week, then please consider supporting our show by becoming a patron. Visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash nx01podcast. There you can view our subscription tiers. Some of the benefits of becoming a patron include early access to our episodes, bonus episodes, and so much more. Your support helps us continue to maintain and exceed the high level of quality that you have come to expect from this show. To all of our existing patrons, we appreciate you and your generosity so much. And to those of you considering joining us, we would be so thankful to welcome you into our group of patrons. Again, visit patreon.com slash nx01podcast for more details. You will also be able to find the website link in the details of this podcast episode. Okay, so we're back from our commercial <laughs> our tangent yes. break, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well that's that's what you do during a commercial. You talk about other things. So coming back from commercial break, I think it would be neat to have have Shran show up on the Enterprise, because Archer would probably be down in the diplomatic meetings forming the Coalition of Planets, so yep. he'd probably either have to talk to Tripp or to Cole, depending on, on how they they decide to have the the setup, but mm-hmm. he's there right as they are promoting Travis and Hoshi from Ensign to Lieutenant. Yes, yes, and, and I I can't believe the oversight they had in TATV not giving them a promotion, having them being stuck three years more than Harry Kim at Ensign. Yeah, it's kind of like, and they have no excuse for no. that because maintaining the chain of command. No, no. That's not that's not plausible in this case. They're not lost in the Delta no. Quadrant, okay? And since yeah, since they're not lost, it's it's complete and total bullshit. Mm-hmm. It is very very stinky bullshit. Okay, so yes, I would say I would say it's going to be T'Pol okay. doing that because if if Archer's down on the planet, then she's okay. first officer. So so, so T'Pol is 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 a lot is has all the all the crew gathered for. For Hoshi and, and Travis's promotion. Now, I know when, when I was in, when you had promotions, you could have people pin your, your next rank on. Mm-hmm. Should we kind of do something similar to that? And who should put on the next rank for Hoshi and Travis, respectively? Golly. 
That's a good question. Well, really, honestly, it's only going to be one of two people. If T'Pol's the one that's presenting it, and she's not doing the pinning, it's either going to be Reed or Tucker. Okay. Really, because no one else makes sense other than that. And since Kelby's still on ship, he, it could be him, too. Yeah. <laughs> Trip wannabe anyways. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I would think... I don't know. Would they really be doing that without the captain there? I think due to the circumstances, that's how they have it to where it where Archer's not there. Okay. Just because just because of the importance of forming the coalition of planets and everything. But typically, yes, he would be there. Okay. By the way, where are we as far as forming the this coalition are we at on earth or are we in a neutral yes. area okay i'd say we, we're still on earth because pretty much i'd say it's like the week after terra prime okay great 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 all right well honestly if it's if t'pol is the one that's promoting them she would be the one to to put on the pips okay that's pretty much standard procedure and uh, i think it's meaningful for her to do that anyway especially with, with hoshi with their exchanges there you know early season one yeah. Does that mean we're going to promote uh, Reed to Lieutenant Commander? Yes. Excellent. <laughs> Reed is next in line. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, cool. I like it. Trip will have to get his own ship before he gets promoted. Well, isn't he already Commander? Yeah. Yeah, he's already Commander, so okay. yeah, he'd have to get his own ship to, to, to be promoted. <laughs> which I don't I don't think he'd, he wants his own ship at the moment. Not right now, no. Not Especially for another... Uh... Six years, about seven. Yeah, we'll say about six, six, six seven years. five to six years. Yeah, and because he's not going to die in a really stupid accident, and no. according to the books, didn't die anyway. But <laughs> spoiler alert. Yes, yes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I went the I did an episode of Literary Treks where they gave me an Enterprise book to read, which made me super happy mm-hmm. because Enterprise. And yeah. I did. I had no information on this book i didn't read any reviews i didn't read any blurbs nothing i just just read read the book and so at the beginning i'm like well who is this old guy who is showing up at this monument and just i don't understand wait a minute wait a minute minute. and i thought maybe maybe (laughs) maybe and then we get to the end of the book and i'm like (laughs) (laughs) so Thank you, books, for doing yes. that for me. But anyway, yeah. Okay, so, so promotions happen. Yes. Pinning stuff. Party? Yes, party. And, at, <laughs> and it's at this party that, that Shran comes aboard and you know has a conference with Trip and, and T'Pol saying, hey, you know, I know Archer's down trying to get everybody talking and working whatever this new thing's going to be out. But I've been told by the Andorian government that they would like a representative on board this ship. Okay, that's fair. And a good way to make him a main cast member. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> <sighs> I'm sorry, I'm just I'm just thinking about weekly Shran and just... Yes. Um... Mm. Okay, sorry, got distracted. That, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, we... Yeah, we gotta. We'll have to explain when, whenever we write the episode after Benning's Revenge why Shran wasn't involved in it. He was taking care of the baby. <laughs> no, we had Fox taking care of the baby. I know, I know. But Fox <laughs> has to sleep sometimes. So this is true. This is true. So and Shran's good with kids, you know. Yeah. So that works. Now, how how should we? kind of continue the the thread of of the andorians wanting wanting someone that they trust on board the enterprise well that is going to be a thing where starfleet command has to get involved okay because they're going to have to i mean the andorians have already approved it so that's not the problem the problem is getting starfleet to sign off on on it Okay. So, and I, I'm guessing they're not going to make too big of a deal out of this because Archer's like the golden boy right now. Yeah. So whatever Archer want, Archer get. Yes. I can, I can just kind of see, see a, a little flashy scene of, of Archer being handed a note, you know, in the meeting saying, I want on board your ship, pink skin. <laughs> <laughs> I <love that. laughs> yes, I want that. 
<laughs> and then oh. and then then he'll have to excuse himself from the table and I think I think his first call will be up to the Enterprise just to just to see if if he's already tried to make himself at home. Yes, I love that. Cuz you still owe me two. <laughs> yeah. That, that that's why he'll put it that way. And so then, you know, calls up confirms that that Shran is on board. Since Admiral Forrest passed away in uh, Serenite Arc, who do you think we've got now in charge of Starfleet? Well, what was the other guy that took over? I'm trying can't remember. Why can't I remember? I'm trying to remember what they because there there was the the three admirals there there at the very beginning in Broken Bow, and I know one was named for DeForest Kelly, and then the other two were named for Shatner and Nimoy. So mm. let's just say Admiral Nimoy takes over. Okay. <laughs> Make it easy. I like it. I like it. So Ar- Archer has a quick little conference with Admiral Nimoy and. It's like, look, the Andorians really want somebody they can trust, and it's got to be somebody that I trust. I trust Shran. The Andorians trust Shran. So let's get him a Starfleet uniform and stick him on on my ship. And then Nemo, uh, Admiral Nimoy will be like, well, that'll kind of put you guys a little overpopulated. He's like, well, doesn't the, the Columbia need a new engineer? Let's Let's send Kelby over there. And that's how we get rid of Kelby. Yes! Granted, you know, we don't want to put that on Captain Hernandez, but we need we need to take somebody off the Enterprise. Yes. Well, and what they do with him after that, it's not our business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, you could get plasma burns, unfortunately, and mm. they'll have to get a new engineer. Yeah. Replace him with a Tellarite engineer. <laughs> there you go. Get some diversity up in there. Yeah. Speaking of Tellarites, do we think do you think we should have one on, on the NX-01 since they're since they see that the Andorians have one and the Vulcans have have someone on the ship. They're probably going to say, hey, wait a minute. Where's our person? So they're going to want to be on equal footing. Yeah. So they're absolutely going to want that. So for our Tellarite, he can just be an unnamed Tellarite for now. And we can work out a backstory for him later. <laughs> you mean she? Or she? Yes, yes. Let's let's do she. Let's do she. Keep this balanced here. We don't have enough female Tellarites on screen. No. I don't think we've seen any, really. They've been alluded to, I know that. But. Yes, yes. Thank you, Harry Mudd. <laughs> yeah, appreciate you. Okay, yes, definitely. Let's, let's bring the first female Tellarite on screen. I like it. Well, at least get, give her a name and, and go from there. Let's go with Tella Jav Froak. So Tella T-E-L-L-A then a, a lowercase J-A-V and F-R-O-R-C. Okay, that is a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> but we can just call her Tella. That's great. What department do you think Tella would be a part of? Security. Ops and security is my guess. Okay. I'm gonna say same with Shran, so that that <laughs> that's gonna cause some co- conflicts between Reed and Shran, I'm sure, oh, yeah. over who gets who gets final say. Sounds like fun to me. I smell another uh, Ushan uh, scene coming up between <laughs> Shran and Reed. I mean, because that's how how Reed and Hayes settled their differences. Mm-hmm. That is true. So now we've got more diverse crew with. All four members of founding members of the United Federation of Planets, later, which is now right right now just the Coalition of Planets. Mm-hmm. Now the chef is really stressed out because he also has to learn how to cook Andorian food and Tellarite food. Yep, but that's okay. Yep, he's a good chef. My Archer brought him along. Exactly. And of course, you know he's always got to keep his 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 catfish supply full for trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm allergic to fish oil, so it's just anything like that just grosses me out. Okay, fine. We'll make sure he's got enough pecan pie. Pecan pie. It's okay if he has catfish. It's not like I'm there. It's fine. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. <laughs> We've got all of our crew there. we got our two new members of Shran and Tella. Kelby's been transferred to the Columbia. Yes. Now, do you think we should, should hear rumblings of of the next warp five the nx03 while they're still here around earth sure 
And if so, what should what should we name it? Should we should it be the the Challenger? Ooh, Kinda I like following, it. Yeah, yeah. Fo- following with with Columbia and yep. So shuttles being named after Star Trek ships. Star Trek ships naming after shuttles. <laughs> it's a chain, a circle yeah. of life, man. Then the next ones are going to be the Atlantis, the Endeavor, and the Discovery. <laughs> oh no, we've already got a Discovery, so. That's, well, that's we can have an NX-06. That is Just... true. You know, that is fair game because they did it with Enterprise, so it's fine. Oh, a ship called the Atlantis. Oh, yes. Love it. We'll say, well, no, because we're, we're keeping her around for a bit. I was going to say Cutler, but no, we're, we're keeping her. She's she's kind of important later on. <laughs> yeah, well, then let's keep her. Um, trying to think of who else we could send over there that we've seen. More than just a handful of times. Okay, let. I don't think we brought up Novakovich and Benning's Revenge, so he can go. He'll be going over to to the Challenger. Okay. So that way, they still have the same amount of people, just more diverse. Excellent. And you know, because of the success of the NX01 with the pull, the Vulcans are and, and their 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 awakening to Sarok's actual teachings. They have decided that that they should have. A representative on on each of the the main ships, which is also kind of what leads to the construction of the Challenger, and we'll say the Atlantis will be four. Are we at the point where they're going to start pushing for something like Warp Six? Yes, they have the ideas of what they're going to do, which will lead into the refit. I think we'll have later on in the season for the NX One to have that that secondary hull, and then that's what they'll they'll do. It'll still be the the NX class, but just the NX refit cool are they going to be able to do something besides polarizing the hull plating because that is ineffective at best (laughs) yes the falcons do have have shields at this time right yes they do yeah so at this point this is when we'll get the 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 vulcan shielding maybe beef it up with andorian or tellerite technology as well yes i like it our our ships are are looking more and more like like what we see in, in the original series cool well I take that back. We really only had Vulcan serving at that point. More like the animated series, where we have more more than just humans and Vulcans mm-hmm. on the show. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the animated series deserves some love. Yes, it does. Because I don't think without it, we wouldn't be having lower decks. No, we wouldn't. And I, it's like, honestly, when they were doing Star Trek Day on September 8th, where was the love for for the animated series? Exactly. I mean, they could have could have given you know couldn't could have had the the, the little character Ben Kirk or Bones yeah. or even you know honor George Takei and have it be yeah. Sulu. Yeah, just just nothing about the animated series. There are people who yeah. are still alive who worked on that. You can't tell me they couldn't have found mm-hmm. some of those people who worked on the show and had a panel with them. Just say yeah. I mean, shoot, we could have had. Had Walter Koenig talk about writing the Infinite right? Vulcan. I mean, <laughs> come on, you guys. Why? <sighs> because because they like to lump it in with the original. I understand that, but it's it's yes, it's the same characters. However, yeah. it is its own thing. Yes. And did stuff that you couldn't do in live action. Right. Like have a three armed, three legged guy at the helm and a vendorian and an acacian and yeah all of those and and 50 foot spock everybody well, I mean, you could have but yeah oh, honestly everybody everyone secretly loves 50 foot spock let's be honest yeah <laughs> which you know i would absolutely love if in lower decks they come across spock too i would just like lower decks to flat out run into the animated series world yes and like they beam down to a planet or something and it's the animation style of tas and see how they would look then i the beholder the one where they go where they're basically locked in that zoo yes that would be a good one to go back to yes yes let's let's do that back to the past of of enterprise yes so we've got Vulcan putting representatives on all of the Earth ships. Does that mean they're going to mm-hmm. want Andorians and Tellerites? Yes, and, and Andorians and Tellerites on all the ships as well. Yeah, okay. 
Which which is why we decided to to go ahead and throw in in the Atlantis along with the Challenger. Yep, good idea. Because you know, there's people that are going to have to move from the Columbia to either one of those two ships to make room for two more people, plus you know, gathering everybody up from Enterprise. Yeah, well, the thing is, you're going to want experienced people on those ships in key positions, mm-hmm. so it would be normal to transfer some people from Enterprise and or the Columbia. Because they've been out there. It would just make sense. Yeah. Maybe it would be really fun, just a little side thing, that they actually mm-hmm. offer Trip a ship, and he goes, no, I got a kid now. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he would have been offered the Atlantis. Yeah. We'll say. I just think that would be cute. Okay, so... Yeah, now that now that we've got, got that done, we'll head back down, down to the uh, conference room where they're hashing out the, the articles for the Coalition of Planets. Okay... So now what are they fighting about? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wouldn't say fighting about. Negotiating. Negotiating, yeah. Let's say who has the authority over the Rigel system. Okay. Because I think that's something that everybody would want control over due to the spaceport being there and mm-hmm. all the all the planets that could be there to, or that are there as well. So. Right. Okay. And how are we going to solve that? Oh. Are we going to work out joint custody? <laughs> Each person that has a delegation at this table has has a claim to one of the inhabited worlds. Which this could also set up, you know, friction in the future, you know, not only between the local Rigelians, but also between the, the founding members here. Right. But we'll say they'll go, they go, they go ahead and agree to it. And then kind of go th- go that route. Um, we'll say it's it's urges suggestion about divvying up the the area. Okay. Now we need something for for Leela to do since she was part of the she's part of the attaché, but she hasn't really done much at this point. Mm. Well, does she have any special abilities besides judging uh, gymnastics competitions? No, that was that was Emini. Oh, Emini, excuse me. I got Leela was the first one. She was she was the one that was part of part of the the Trill government. Oh right, okay. So what can we have her do? Mm, I really don't know. I <laughs> <laughs> say we don't really want her. We want her to be more than just you know the note taker and and recording everything that's being agreed to. Right. Let's have her kind of giving guidelines for how. Each of the species should be interacting now that we're kind of putting more of the species together on on, on board ship. Okay. Since that that kind of seems like like something that that Curzon would have used, you know, later on. And... Yes, definitely. Okay, cool. She'll be talking to all the all the senior officers from from now the the four ships of, of Starfleet. Nice. But like we said, you know, the Challenger and the Atlantis are. Still under construction. The Challenger is almost done with its secondary hull to include warp six. Cool. Um, and the Atlantis is, we'll say, halfway done. Okay, cool. I say, is there anything specific do you th- you think we should should have per se in regards to interspecies relations? Mm, I don't know. Like like sort of giving classes in in diplomacy. I would think something like that. Yeah. I well. That's an interesting premise, because in giving classes in diplomacy, she would have to make them species-specific, because there's going to be little quirks about each species that the others don't know about. And so, you know, everyone but the Andorians goes to the class on the Andorians, and then everyone but the Tellarites goes to the class on Tellarites, etc. So, yeah, everybody's getting educated. Yes, and, 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 you know, gives her, you know, really, actually, I think, one of the more important parts within forming this this coalition, you know, how how to interact with your fellow crewmates that don't look like you. Yeah, because you know, there's there's one thing about interacting with different humans who don't look like you, but when you're dealing with someone whose culture you haven't been exposed to probably at all, you're definitely gonna want to know what not to say <laughs> or do, as well as what will endear you to them. So. That's actually going to be really valuable information. Yes, and actually I think what we can do 
with this, with have us looking in on the, the Tellarite class, mm. saying that, you know, while yes, they do like to argue, they, they do have rules about how they argue and how gruff you can be, how gruff you should be. Yes. So, sort of, you know, fleshing out the Tellarites themselves. Perfect. A little more. Yes. Because they're the species we know the least about. Among the founders. Yeah. Even today, we still don't know that much about them. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, coming back to break, we have Andorians, Vulcans, and, and humans in a class about Tellarites. Mm-hmm. I think Hoshi should also be with Leela saying, these are words you absolutely do not want to use in front of a Tellarite. All right. And, you know, of of course, you know, the, the Andorians are like, but we use these, like, almost all the time. <laughs> right. And Hoshi would probably be like, well, then you're going to have to adjust your vocabulary when you're in the presence of a Tellarite. Yes. No matter how, how pig-nosed you think they are. Oy, she would not say that. <laughs> but she would be thinking it. Maybe. Maybe. Because I, I can see this sort of being like, you know, one, one of her last classes of the day and just exhausted. I guess, yeah, this this one's not really going to be that that action heavy, but we had a really heavy series or season finale. I figure this was a nice, easy way to, to get us in, get us in and started on season five. Mm-hmm. Once, you know, the class wraps up, I think we just kind of transition back to the, the conference room and we have everybody kind of talking things over. And signing the charter. Okay. This sort of kind of ra- wraps up our episode. You mean we're not going to have any quality time with the trip to Paul Elizabeth family? Actually, yeah. Let's put that in. Yeah, we've got we've got our final scene, but our 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 family time will be right before that final scene. Perfect. I'm just going to write that in big letters here. Family time. Then that. Okay. Cool. Okay, so I think DePaul will have been on the bridge coming back back to their quarters because since they have the baby, they've moved in together. That's good. And Tripp is there, you know, just holding Elizabeth and talking to her and telling her about her Aunt Elizabeth. Aww. And talking about how Grandpa just loves you because, you know, that that's what he always wanted was a granddaughter. And DePaul enters and checks in on, on them, seeing how, how everyone's doing. and. Trip's like, I- I'm used to, to human babies. She's not all that fussy. <laughs> <laughs> that is adorable. We need to have something something good for T'Pol to come back with. Though. How old was Elizabeth when she came on the scene? Because she wasn't a newborn. No, I think it was like six, seven months. Mm-hmm. So I would say that T'Pol comes back with, wait until she can talk. <laughs> yeah, I can... I, I can see that, and that'd be a, be a good one there. Now, do you think we should have have flocks kind of stop by too, or do you think that'd be one too many for this time? I don't know. We haven't seen flocks much this episode, so I think he would check in to just make sure everything is going fine after the genetic adjustments. Yes, maybe dropping off some more formula. Yeah, because he loves babies. Mm-hmm. He loves babies. So, yeah. We could, we could even do a little joke thing where he's like, oh, can I hold the baby? And Trip will be like, well, I was just going to change her. He's like, okay, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he remembers what Sim was like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Little bit of lightness, folks. Yes. Giving the people what they want. Giving them that trip to Paul and Elizabeth action. Or is it really just what I want? But anyway. I like that we've basically resurrected elizabeth yes i love that technically saved her before we had to resurrect her this is true but in the case of resurrecting the character i guess would be yes in writing cool cool all right excellent so yeah we've got the family time then we've got everybody signing the charter and everything's been agreed to and and we're off to our our first adventure in season five all right so would you like to go ahead and give us a recap of of our season five premiere Okay, I will do my best with my cryptic scribbling. All right, so we already covered what is going on as far as where the last season ended, rewriting the end of Terra Prime. And we have introduced the Trill and Leela Dax as part of that. What's the word I'm looking for here? Attaché. Thank you. You're welcome. 
There's also a trill doctor that is that specializes in genetics and genetic restoration, and Phlox seeks her out at the Coalition of Planets meeting, and her name is Mora, and he talks to her about the quandary that is Elizabeth, and she takes that information back to her ship and starts doing her own research, and then during all this time, Archer still thinks that Elizabeth's dead or dying, and so he his impassioned speech does not change. Phlox later then talks to Archer and uh, lets him know that Elizabeth has survived, <laughs> because uh, Mora did come up with a way to fix that genetic problem that they were having. So that was the end of season four. Season five, episode one. We open on Earth in a conference room where a Trill delegation is sort of mitigating the forming of the Charter of the Coalition of Planets. The first thing they're all fighting over is sovereignty of their own planets and what is disputed territory, etc. The Trill has brought have brought them all together to sort of be the mediators, being sort of more of a neutral party in this regard. Uh, Lila Dax is not the head diplomat. She's more of a more of an attache, as we said. Um, the head diplomat is a trill male named uh, Prian Urge. He's done this before. He's a little pushy, <laughs> but he gets stuff done. And so he he explains everyone's going to have autonomy in their own systems, and they start trying to hammer out guidelines for the coalition as a whole and getting all their four races on the same sort of transporter path. No, that's not what I wanted to say, but you know what I mean? <laughs> so, and uh, then we cut to our season five intro, which is the season one and two intro with the addition of Jeffrey Combs being a regular cast member. That makes me super happy. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to celebrate that every time. We cut to the interior of the Enterprise where Hoshi and Travis are being promoted to lieutenant by T'Pol, and she is pinning the pips on them. And of course, afterwards, they're going to have a party because that's what you do when you get promoted. And uh, during that time, Shran comes aboard the NX-01 and talks with Trip and T'Pol and tells them that the Andorians want a representative on the ship because they already have a Vulcan representative and they want someone on that ship as well. And they want that person to be Shran. So, and to, they're probably a little bit taken aback. We didn't really discuss that, but, the, but it, it's, it's a logic, it's logical to, to yeah. call because if they're forming this coalition, then it's logical that the other governments would want one of theirs on each ship. Especially the flagship. Yes, especially the flagship. And so, and uh, during this meeting that Archer is in, in the conference room, he gets handed a note <laughs> from Shran <laughs> saying that he's, uh, he's, he's going to come on board the Enterprise and be part of the crew. And Archer's like, what? What the what? What? <laughs> so he excuses himself to contact the Enterprise, and sure enough, Shran's already up there. So then he goes and talks to Admiral Nimoy, because it's going to require Starfleet's blessing, mm -hmm. and convinces him that it's going to be in their interest to have an Andorian with them as part of the crew, and that it should be Shran, because Archer trusts Shran. And, uh, of course, Shran is all like, that's two you owe me, pink skin. <laughs> so he's, he's collecting his payback. He's not real. Yes. But he, he likes Archer. He's, mm -hmm. You know, they've just, they've got this cute little bromance. Yeah. And, and we can, we can explore that further on here in season five. Yes, we can, because it's just, it's adorable. It's adorable. Anyway, so now they've got, uh, they're sort of over their max capacity and, uh, it, Archer recommends that they send Kelby to the Columbia because Columbia needs a new chief engineer because because Trip left and came back to the Enterprise. And then when the Tellarites get wind of this, they want someone on the ship. And so they agree to have a Tellarite female named Telajar Fork. I hope I said that right. They just call her Tella. Both she and Shran are going to be working in security and ops, which is really going to be fun for Malcolm in yes. ever so many ways. 
We we could we could even have an, their own. They could even have their own spinoff, like the Odd Triplet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think at some point somebody's mentioning that this chef is stressed out because now he's got to learn how to cook Andorian and Tellerite food. Mm-hmm. But he has uh, plenty of catfish and pecan pie on hand for our good friend Trip. We're also hearing rumblings about the new ships of the line, the NX-03 and the NX-04, Challenger and Atlantis, respectively. And uh, they are going to be more advanced, of course. Uh, there's going to be some retrofitting that w- the Enterprise will get eventually, but they're got secondary hull and they're going to have shields and they're going to be able to get to warp six or maybe even beyond. We don't know yet. Challenger's almost done, but Atlantis is only about halfway done. So, and now the Vulcans and everybody else are like, Oh, we want people on that ship. So now they're incorporating representatives from the other three races onto all of the earth ships of Starfleet. Uh, There will probably be more ships down the line. We'll see. We put in a a fun thing where Trip gets offered the Atlantis, but he's like, nah, I got a family. now. I got got a kid to raise. I don't have time for that. (laughs) So then we go back to our conference room back on Earth, and they are now arguing over who has authority over the Rigel system, which, again, urges... uh, divvying up the area and saying who each person who has a delegation there has claim to an inhabited world. That's probably not going to go over great with the Rigelians, but we'll talk about that later. Yes. Um, (laughs) So uh, Leela Dax is taking the initiative to start doing some classes, giving guidelines for interacting species so uh, she's spoken to the senior officers of the ships and is discussing what's going to be in each class. So we're going to peek in on the Tellarite class. That's a class about the Tellarites, not a class of Tellarites. <laughs> and uh, she's talking about the rules, about how they argue. Yes, they argue, but they have very specific rules about how they argue, what they can say when they're arguing what would be considered out of bounds while arguing, etc. Hoshi is helping out with words you absolutely never want to use with Tellarites, and the Andorians are kind of like, well, we use those words all the time. And Hoshi's like, well, then you're going to have to adjust your vocabulary when you're around them and possibly thinking about no matter how pig-nosed they are, which which is a funny thing to think because, you know, it's a... It it sounds like a racial slur, but at the same time, pig-headed is someone who's stubborn. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what the Tellarites are. Stubborn. They are stubborn. They are very stubborn. They, I, I think they're all Tauruses, is what I think, because, <laughs> you know, they're all strong and mm-hmm. sort of hefty and argumentative and stubborn, and that just... Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to... Have a little fun family time on the NX zero one with T'Pol coming back to her shared her now shared quarters with Trip. Hopefully, they gave them a bigger room. And uh, Trip's holding Elizabeth and talking to her about her aunt Elizabeth and about how much his grandpa loves her. He's always wanted a granddaughter. And uh, T'Pol comes in and he's he talks about how you know he's used to dealing with human children, but she's not all that fussy. And T'Pol comes back with, wait until she can talk. Then Flock stops by with more formula <laughs> and uh, just to check in on the family and Elizabeth in particular to make sure that she's not having any problems. Wants to hold the baby and uh, Tripp says, well, I was just about to change her. And Flox says, okay, I'll see you later and is out of there. <laughs> Transitioning back to the conference room on Earth, everyone is talking things over and starting to sign that charter, and uh, that's how we kind of fade out. I I think probably with Archer kind of taking a step back, looking around the room at everyone discussing and getting along and seeming excited about the future. All right. There we go. Now that we've got our season premiere out of the way and underway... Where can people find you on the interwebs? 
Too many places, you guys. Okay, I'm thinking. Here on the Sweet Media Network, you can also find me on the Vedic Assembly, which is the Deep Space Nine podcast with my friends Liam and Nick. And you can find me on Boldly Go with my friend Suzanne, which is the Strange New Worlds podcast. Yeah, we started early. So what? We're kind of intermittent right now about every six weeks, so we don't run out of material before we get to the actual show. And also What the Future Holds, which is a Star Trek Discovery podcast, because apparently I don't have enough Trek to talk about in my life. And uh, that we, we have one episode... Well, we had one episode out at the time of this recording, but uh, by the time this is out, we'll be like halfway through season three of yeah. Disco. <laughs> but I do that with my friends uh, Christopher D. Littlefield and my husband Dave, which uh, I finally got him on a Trek podcast and I'm not letting him get out of it. <laughs> Actually, he's having a really good time because it's nice to have the viewpoint of a not life Trekker. Mm-hmm. Where he, he's just kind of been more sucked into it because of his wife. And outside of that, I do two live shows because, you know, again, can't talk about Trek enough. I do the Unready Room with my friend Dan Gunther on his uh, YouTube channel, Kurt Ratz Productions. Kurt Ratz is Star Trek spelled backwards. We are talking currently about every new episode of Lower Decks. And I do a live show that's Friday nights at 7 p.m. Mountain because I'm not going to keep adjusting it for other people's time zones <laughs> anymore. You can adjust for mine. And on Saturdays at 12 p.m. Mountain Time on Twitch on the Outpost 13 channel, I'm doing Infinite Trek with my friend Aaron Harvey. And we talk about anything Trek or Trek adjacent, also covering Lower Decks. You would think it would be redundant, but it's not. We have completely different conversations. I, I have listened to the to, to both of them, and, and yes. And they are both fun. I have fun with both of them, and Aaron is the authority on the animated series. He mm -hmm. literally wrote the book, so that's great. And... I do a podcast with my husband, Dave, called Dark Corner. We talk about stuff and things. And I do a solo podcast called Headcanon, which is a weird trip through my brain and my fandoms. And that you can find both of those at darkcornerpodcast.com. And I swear to God, that's it. <laughs> well, thanks for joining joining me today, Brandy. And when we get ready to jump back into the writer's room, I'll, I'll give you a shout. Oh, let me know. You know I love doing these. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. On December 16th, 2020, our weekly discussion will focus on the Star Trek Enterprise novel, Sirach's Soul. This is the third original Enterprise novel, following By the Book and What Price Honor, which we have previously reviewed on this podcast. If you'd like to be fully knowledgeable of what we discuss on December 16th, then please dig out your copy of Sirach's Soul or visit an online retailer to purchase a copy. We look forward to our next book club discussion. The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, is produced and hosted by Chris Hill and myself, Kyle West, and is a part of the Holosuite Media Podcast Network. To keep up to date with all the news and updates from The Expanse, be sure to follow NX01Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find Chris Hill on Twitter at the Chris Hill and myself on Twitter at Kyle Thomas West. To join the Holosuite Media Community Discussion Group, simply type The Nexus into the Facebook search bar and we'll see you there. Thank you for listening. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for Open Channel, a Star Trek community podcast. As proud as I am of my disco children for all they have accomplished this episode, I would just like to say, this is why seatbelts are important, and please, I beg of you to find some in this new future. They have learned nothing. I know. I know, Belinda, and I know how important this is to you, and I, someday someone's going to listen to you. Well, it's it's context, I think, they consider with the, the inertial dampeners and everything. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. Before that timepiece stopped working. Mm -hmm, that really because ugly, he saw it in the shop window. That really ugly timepiece. When I first watched it, I thought, okay, yes, this is a clock that maybe somebody puts on their desk or...
mm-hmm. on a wall somewhere. But later we see somebody pull the same thing out of their pocket. Do they not have watches? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like one of those like huge clunky mobile phones that all they ever did was like call people. It's like, nope, this is just a big clock for my pocket. It's something that Flavor Flav should be wearing around his neck. It's that big and obnoxious. Is that a clock in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> oh, no, no, it's it's just a clock. It's most definitely a clock. <laughs> Loading Sweet preview program for What the Future Holds, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Well, here's here's the thing, though, okay? This is very prescient. Because right. this presents us with a future where people are isolated and disconnected. Yep. This was written and filmed before, before. the pandemic. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, Brandy. This is the this is this is I mean, I, this is the universe saying we need this art mm-hmm. in this world right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Computer, deactivate Holosuite. Shh.